This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in Exodus chapter 16 and uh, starting with verse 22. Interesting, if you think about it, and this is really what's going on, God is introducing himself to the Israelites. The first way he introduced himself is the plagues in Egypt. That's more of, being, that's more of hearing about God. It's not necessarily experiencing God firsthand, because remember, most of the plagues really didn't affect Goshen where the Israelites lived. In fact, even the darkness that covered Egypt didn't cover Goshen. Goshen was normal. Everything was normal in Goshen. And they knew God from a distance. Now, their first experience with God is pretty powerful. They're leaving Egypt. They, they First of all, the first experience with God was, was the death angel passing by. And that had to be a, an eye-opening experience. And then it was followed by an immediate leaving of Egypt, an immediate gathering all your things and getting out of there. And then you have the pillar of fire holding the Egyptians back and the Red Sea crossing. So that's a, well, impressive first first encounter with God that the Israelites really had. Now, the elders of the, of the Israelites had dealt with Moses and they knew what was going on. And I'm sure everybody had an idea because people talk. But the truth is their experience with God was pretty powerful at the beginning. And then they cross over into the wilderness, and they're hungry, and they're thirsty, and God makes provision for them. But if you'll think about it, interestingly enough, remember how God reveals himself as far as his character and his nature in the Old Testament is primarily through the law or through the Ten Commandments and then all the laws and regulations that you see in Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Anyway, the law is how God reveals his character and nature. And then in his leading them into the promised land is how he reveals his power and his authority. And you have all these revealings that God gives the children of Israel. And if we're just going to look purely at the law, if we're just going to look purely at the Ten Commandments and all that comes from that or propagates from that, if we if you purely look at that, what is the first commandment that God presents to the Israelites. What is the, what's the first commandment that God gives them? The first thing that he says to the Israelites that would be something that we could directly correlate with the Ten Commandments. And most of you think you got to have the big ones. Don't commit murder. That's always the one we go to first, right? And interestingly enough, I think scripturally speaking, we don't place enough emphasis on, on the two commandments which God focuses in on as the most important commandments. And really, there's three, ultimately, top commandments. The first one is, have no other gods before me. But then the second two, strangely enough, we do not place a lot of focus on. The second one is, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And the third one is, 
honor your father and mother, that your days may be long in the, along on the earth. And you go, how, how do you mean honoring your father and mother is <clears throat> one of the three primary ones? We flip over to the New Testament. Oftentimes, there'll be lists of sins. They're adulterers, they're fornicators, they're murderers, they're, they, they, they don't take care of their neighbors. You'll find these lists. You'll find them in Romans and Corinthians and some of the books, some of the, and it's failing me right now, but some of the other books in the New Testament, there'll be lists. And as you read the list, it increases in intensity, <clears throat> like it starts with, if we were talking about how the people of America don't do, they start with jaywalking and throwing trash out the windows, and then they end with murder and mayhem. And so if we were to make that list in America, that's how we'd make it. But with God, he makes a list and it progresses in intensity. And almost every time, the last thing that God says that they don't do or they do that is horrific to him is they don't honor their father and mother, which is doesn't seem correct. It seems like that would be like one of the small things they do, but for God it's not because honoring him is important. And why is he doing all this in the first place? He's doing it for a relationship. He's doing he's setting things up so that he might have relationship with you. And that he might know you and you can know him. And it's just like when you start a dating relationship with somebody you want to marry. You always talk about the important things first. You don't ever go out on a first date. And if you do, it'll be your last date. But you don't ever go out on a first date and y'all start, talk, start talking. Really, the woman says, really what's important to me is that you take out the trash. And the man says, what's important to me is that the bed be made every morning. And then the woman says, I like for my yard to be really nice and cut and for there to be the flowers growing. And the guy says, I don't want the, well, I don't want the carpet to be dirty. So I, I like for it to be vacuumed once a week. That's not how you woo each other. If that's how the date starts, it's not going to end well. Okay. You, the most important thing, if you're going to get married to someone, the most important thing is that you have open communications and that there's affection and love. And so what do young couples generally do a whole lot of, sometimes too much of? What do they generally want to do a lot of when they first meet each other and fall in love? What do they do? They have a lot of conversations. They're just talking all the time. He, my, he was my buddy, and now she's took him, and now we used to hang out and go to the ball games, and all he wants to do is hang out with this girl. Can you remember that st that story in high school? Everybody got cards at 16, and uh, your buddy, your best friend from, from grade school, y'all hung out together, did everything together on the weekends. Y'all were inseparable, and then all of a sudden, he fell in love with somebody, and he's over at her house all the time, and you're never hanging out together. It's like he... It's like he vanished from the face of the earth. Y'all, you remember those days. Why? Because when you have an intimate, close, personal relationship, what do you want to do? You want to spend time with each other. You want to talk with each other. You want to be affectionate toward each other. And, and I, I emphasize that just because a lot of times people don't understand in marriage, in, in, in an intimate relationship between two people that are married together, they forget that conversation and affection are highly important. They really, the, and when I were married and Betty needs to go to her room and we're not, I'm tired of talking to her. 
and they don't they forget the affection and the conversation and then the whole basis for the relationship falls apart because those are important things they're highly important things and and so with god remember the new testament our picture of our relationship with god in the new testament the primary picture the primary thing in the new testament that god uses as an analogy of our relationship with him is the bride and the bridegroom that that's a intimate personal relationship between a man and a woman is and by the way that is what marriage is and it's what marriage is in the bible period end of story just a little side note and when you're studying scripture and you understand that god desires for husbands to love their wives and for wives to honor their husbands and for them to have intimate relationships with each other when you read that and you start studying through that and you start thinking through that you realize Oh, God wants the same thing. He wants open conversation. He wants affection toward you and for him to lavish his love and his grace and his gifts and his mercy on you. And he wants you to honor him and and make sure that he's an important part of your life. Almost exactly like the New Testament describes a good marriage. Notice the New Testament doesn't require a wife to love her husband, it requires her to honor her husband. And let me say this, some husbands are difficult to love. God's not difficult to love. God can easily be loved, but he requires, even if you don't really know how to do that, and sometimes we don't, sometimes we really don't, he requires that we we at least honor him. And that's what the commandment about the Sabbath's all about. Notice what it says. It says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And that is... For God, the most important, one of the most important commandments. He wants to be first, obviously. You ha- you shall have no other gods before me. And then once he's first, he wants his time. And uh, he, that's he. the Bible clearly indicates that, and God says over and over in Scripture that he's a jealous God. What is he jealous for? He's jealous for us. He's jealous for us. And you need to hear that. Over and over again, God's jealous for you. God wants intimacy with you. He wants relationship with you. Why would you? Why would you? Why would you withhold that from Him and dishonor Him in such a way? And that is the first commandment that God gives the children of Israel as they're as they're going into the wilderness. He's the first thing He's going to tell them to do is order the Sabbath in such a way that it says time of rest. And that's what happens in verse 22. It says, So it was on the sixth day that they gathered twice as much bread, the second to last day of the week. That would have been Friday for them, two omers for each one. And it says, And all the rulers of the congregation came and told Moses. Then they said to them, this is what the Lord has said. Tomorrow is a Sabbath rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake today and boil what you will boil, meaning don't make any food tomorrow. Uh, Set that aside for rest, for fellowship with God. Set it aside for a time of intimacy and a time of closeness. And remember, that's closeness not only with God, but that's also closeness with people that God loves. That's that a lot of times you'll hear people say, I can worship God on the lake. Yeah, you can. That you can worship God. You can worship God on the mountaintop. You can worship God on your couch watching NFL football. I'm sure you can. All those things are possible. But the question is, is that how God prescribed for it to be? And the answer is no. God clearly prescribes in the Old Testament that you're to set aside the Sabbath and make it holy unto Him. And second of all, that you're to meet together with other believers 
while they're doing the same thing. And, and so if your plan is that you're going to honor the Sabbath somewhere else and say, we're just honoring the Sabbath here, I'm just honoring him here by myself, not going, not being a part of God's people meeting together. I'm sorry, that's not biblical. You can come up with your own ways of keeping things and you can not do it God's way. Because he's got a way. He's got a way he does things. And he got he has a way he operates. And not honoring the Sabbath and keeping it holy is not God's way. Kind of simple, isn't it? There's God's way and not God's way. And you can either do it God's way or you cannot do it God's way. And honoring the Sabbath by setting it aside for fellowship with him and by setting it aside for fellowship with other believers is God's way. And so he said, I don't want you cooking. I don't want you cleaning. I don't want you gathering the food I'm providing for you. Remember now, he's providing most of the food. Now they had other food that they, you know, animals that they killed out in the wilderness. It wasn't going to be sufficient for the whole population to live. They had made ways of making bread and they could find wheat and, and barley and things like that to create other things. They weren't just exclusively eating those two things, but there was not enough in the wilderness to sustain a population of a couple of million people traveling through it. And God provided for the food. And he said, I want you to gather it and I want you to work on it. I want you to do those things on Friday because Saturday's for me. Saturday's set aside for me. And uh, that's the last day of the week. And he said, so they laid it up till morning. And as, Mo as Moses had commanded, and it did not stink, nor were there any worms in it. Notice God made sure that the manna was good for, for the fellowship day. Then Moses said, eat that today for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today will not find it in the you will not find it in the field. Now notice, I want you to see that it's also important to see that they didn't have to gather for themselves manna from heaven. Somebody else provided it for them. And in many ways, that's what happens on Sunday. During the week, you've got to have your own time where you where you walk with God and where you where you seek out God's word on your own. Although we do this Bible study four mornings a week, and there's all kinds of other resources out there for you to seek out God's word, including your own Bible, which is probably your best resource and not probably, it is your best resource. Okay. It's your best resource is your own study of God's word yourself, there, <clears throat> but there's lots of other resources out there to study it. But notice on Sunday, they didn't have to gather it from themselves. They got fed it from God himself. And that's hopefully what we do on Sunday morning, not that I'm God. And if you'll listen to our service, especially before I preach, I always speak to God on behalf of all of us and say, we want to hear from you. We don't want to hear from uh, Chad's going to be up there talking, but really we want the Holy Spirit to speak from your word to our hearts and, and maybe be able to use that big old rascal up there to do it. And, and that that makes me just a vessel, but that makes the primacy and the most important thing, God's word and his Holy Spirit and his relationship with you. And so you don't have to gather on Sunday. God provides that for you himself. And it's a clear picture and it's an important picture. And for God, it's the first commandment he gives them. And when God gives that commandment, at the end of the day, how do you know that y'all are going to have a relationship that they might work out? One of you mentioned getting together again, and the other one says, man, that's a great idea. I'd love to do it again. All right. Let me say this. With the relationship with God, God's always calling to you and wanting you to come and be with him. And you missing out on it is it's not honoring of God. And I can't say that in any more depth. It's not honoring God. 
Then Moses said, eat that today, for today is the Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, the Sabbath, there will be none. Now, what did they do? We always do. It's the story of all the Bible, and it's the story of all my life. Now it happened that some of the people went out on the seventh day to gather, but they found none. They went hungry. They didn't do what they were supposed to do. The Lord said to Moses, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? This is really the first one. The second one was leave, and they really struggled with that. So that several times they want to turn back. Now it's he said. Now he says, "See, for the Lord has given you the Sabbath; therefore, He gives you on the sixth day bread for two days. Let every man remain in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. Don't go out looking for food. Gather it on the day before." So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, there's a lot of physical and uh, psychological reasons for this rest, and it's important. It's of the utmost importance that you see those things. But but as you study God's Word and you as you walk in God's Word, you need to realize that God places great importance on the intimacy of relationships. And in Scripture, it's pretty clear in Scripture that God does God's got a big three commandments and they aren't don't steal, don't lie, don't murder. They're honor God, have no other gods before him and honor your father and mother because your parents are God's first relationship that he gives you that is intimate and they're not perfect. Your parents aren't perfect. That's intimate and that requires you to honor them, not to love them, but to honor them so that you can learn how to honor him. And as you study through God's word, you need to see that, that the relationships that God has given you on the earth are pictures of relationships with him. Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Notice he's a friend and a brother. He's a good father. The heavenly father is, right? He is, we're the bride and he's the bridegroom. If you'll see, as you study through scripture, it's just constant over and over again. God's saying, I want intimate, close, familiar, personal relationship with you. And what's important to me is that. And on Sunday mornings, what's important for believers today is that they meet together and they meet with God. And when you miss out on that, you miss out on a lot. And when you do that and you do it on a regular basis, you know, you're sick sometimes. Sometimes you have to be somewhere. That's fine. But when you fail to gather yourself on a regular basis, you dishonor God. And uh, he says, how long are you going to keep doing that? May God bless you and keep you. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.